You're listening to the Live Free Now podcast, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Find us online at livefreenow.show. And now your host, John Bush. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Live Free Now show, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. You can find us online at livefreenow.show. Our new website is launched, and I invite you to subscribe to us on the various podcast feeds. Today, we have an excellent show for you. We're live streaming on a handful of channels, and then this will be uploaded as a podcast Today, we're going to talk about the Global Reset, Agenda 21, which is now Agenda 2030, and technocracy, which essentially is rule by experts rather than rule by politicians or rule by the people like democracy. I'm doing air quotes for the podcast audience. We're going to talk about the conspiratorial view of history, the idea that there are people bad actors, oligarchs that have been conspiring for decades and centuries in order to create a totalitarian, technocratic, global government that doesn't recognize or honor your rights, although they give platitudes to the Declaration, the UN Declaration of Human Rights and all that stuff, but private property, individual liberty, free association, control over your body. Those aren't the rights that are being recognized by the United Nations and this whole this whole agenda. Before we get into all that, well, let me point out real quick too, we're not just going to share about those things, the Agenda 21, Great Reset, and Technocracy. More importantly, we are going to provide you with solutions, tips, tactics, tools, strategies, so you can opt out, so you can help and be a part of disrupting this agenda. Because as I said before, I subscribe to the conspiratorial view of history and believe, not just a belief, it's a fact, Jack, that there's a lot of people out there, small group of people compared to everyone else, but there's people out there that are wanting to create a new world, a new normal, so to speak. And these people have a lot of power and influence and a whole lot of money, and they've already positioned themselves at the heights of the power centers in society, government, media, education, defense, health, so on and so forth. But fear not, my friends, we are infinitely powerful human beings who have just begun to step into their true power and true potential. And just as the oligarchs and the tiny elite have a plan for the future, so too do we freedom lovers, innovators, and radicals have a plan for the future. And I want to encourage you to step up to the plate and participate in creating the world that you desire. Don't just be a victim. Don't just be a passive, non-playable character. Rather, take lead in creating the desirable world for you, one that meets your needs, one that honors your value, one that recognizes your inherent sovereignty as free, beautiful human beings. That's what we're going to talk about. That's going to be the main focus. We're going to lay out the problem, but as we do here on the podcast, we're going to focus on the solution. But before we do that, I want to thank our sponsors, Brave Botanicals. I know you hear me pounding away on the free ounce offer. I got to thinking 
after listening to Grant Cardone, he always has a different offer. I'm just beating this free ounce to death, this free ounce offer to death. So I might as well offer something else for you guys. This is colloidal silver, which is especially important nowadays. Uh, colloidal silver is antiviral, antibacterial, antimicrobial, 20 parts per million. It's made in a lab by a doctor here in central Texas. We've been selling it for quite some time. I use it regularly when there's cuts, scrapes. It's really good in a nebulizer. It's a little device that vaporizes the colloidal silver. You put some colloidal silver, food-grade hydrogen peroxide, you nebulize, and it really helps to clear up all sorts of issues in the throat. And we're not going to say that, we're not going to mention the magic word in relation to that product with everyone experiencing right now, but you can go to mybravebotanicals.com. That's mybravebotanicals.com. This is another product that's so controversial. I didn't even want to link directly to it on my Facebook because my website apparently has been blacklisted by Facebook. I get banned whenever I share mybravebotanicals.com with you guys, but we offer this high quality colloidal silver. Go check it out, mybravebotanicals.com and just click on colloidal silver there in the menu. All right, let's get right down to it. In order to illustrate the ideas that I wanna convey, I'm gonna share with you a document in Foreign Affairs Magazine that came out in the 70s, 1974, I believe, by a guy named Richard Gardner. It's Foreign Affairs, the magazine of the Council on Foreign Relations, one of these more, well, it's not secretive as it used to be, but this is one of the roundtable groups, essentially, that's pushing for global governance. Before I read that to you, though, let me just share a little bit about the conspiratorial view of history that I, I believe in. So you either have the conspiratorial view of history, the idea that there are people conspiring in order to either create world events or at least leverage world events to further their agenda. And as we'll explain, this is an agenda to create global government top-down control. So that's the conspiratorial view of history. Or the accidental view of history is that things just happen by chance, and there's a great deal of coincidences that take place in our lives, in our world, in our society. Well, on the conspiratorial view of history, I've been listening to this awesome book by Gary Allen, audiobook called None Dare Call It Conspiracy. It was one of our bestsellers at uh, Brave New Books, None Dare Call It Conspiracy. It's super expensive and hard to find these days, but it's definitely worth a read or worth a listen. It is on Audible. And he really gets down and down and dirty with the conspiratorial view of history. And Cecil Rhodes, who was a very wealthy man, mining diamonds in Africa, died and passed on this last will and testament that encouraged the creation of these secret society roundtable groups. And there's this guy, Lord Alfred Milner, and they brought together all these elitists and international bankers and cartel capitalists at the time, uh, the turn of the 20th century, and created these secret societies. And these secret societies still exist today. In Great Britain, they had the Institute for International Affairs, the Royal Institute of International Affairs. And in the United States, the counterpart was the Council on Foreign Relations. Also, later on, the Bilderberg Group was created. And these groups have played a major role in charting the course of history in a wide variety of areas. You often see very similar players propping up and popping up. One of them that always comes to mind, of course, is the Rockefeller family. 
And while David Rockefeller did pass recently, the Rockefeller Foundation and all of their institutional money and institutions is still alive and well today. And we see oftentimes the Rockefeller Foundation at the center of a lot of this technocracy and control that's coming out of the COVID-19 era. So the point is, there's a small group of people that have been meeting in secret, some secret, some public. They are clear about their plans to create supranational government, global government. And we're going to break some of that down, and we're going to focus on some of the vehicles that they're utilizing nowadays. Right? Of course, the United Nations was created to carry out this end. The, uh, the European Union also was an invention of the Bilderberg Group. And we're going to focus on Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, which is part of the United Nations. We're going to talk about the Great Reset, which is part of the World Economic Forum. Many of the same players are involved as well. And then finally, this whole technocracy, which is being called for by the Great Reset and which is being rolled out and accelerated because of COVID-19. But let me point out this awesome article. I've known about this one for a while, and it's a great, it's a great resource to really demonstrate some of the stuff that we're talking about here. So the article is written in Foreign Affairs Magazine, which is the journal of the Council on Foreign Relations, in 1974 by a guy named Richard Gardner, whose Trilateral Commission, Council on Foreign Relations, all of the above, total insider. Uh, <laughs> it's called The Hard Road to World Order. And what he talks about is the difficulties that they were facing at the time in bringing about global government. Certainly, the gap has never loomed larger between the objectives and capacities of the international organizations that were supposed to get mankind on the road to world order. This term world order is essentially when you know the term new world order. That's what they're talking about, a new world order that isn't based on nation states, which I reject as well as an anarchist voluntarist. Rather, it's based on international government, uh, international institutions. Never has there been such an extraordinary growth in the constructive potential of transnational private organizations, not just multinational corporations, but international associations of every kind in which like-minded persons around the world weave effective patterns of global action. All right, so let me just get down to the, the meat of what's going on here. But he actually calls for uh, total government here. Look, so let's check this out. Here we go. If here we go. This is where he lays out his methodology. The whole article is about a new strategy towards achieving global governance, and this is the strategy that has been adopted wholeheartedly by the globalists, internationalists, and those that want to see a technocratic, dictatorial, totalitarian government created. If instant world government, charter review, and a greatly strengthened international court do not provide the answers, what hope for progress is there? The answer will not satisfy those who seek simple solutions to complex problems, but it comes down essentially to this. The hope for the foreseeable future lies not in building up a few ambitious central institutions of universal membership and general jurisdiction, as was envisioned at the end of the last war, but rather in the much more decentralized, disorderly, and pragmatic process of inventing or adapting institutions of limited jurisdiction and selected membership to deal with specific problems on a case-by-case -case basis as the necessity for cooperation is perceived by relevant nations. 
such institutions of limited jurisdiction will have a better chance of doing what must be done to make a rule of law possible among nations, providing methods for changing the law and enforcing it as it changes and developing the perception of common interest that in the prerequisite that in the prerequisite for so social cooperation. And here it comes right here. Ready? In short, the house of world order will have to be built from the bottom up rather than the top down. It will look like a great booming, buzzing confusion to use William James's famous description of reality, but an end run around national sovereignty, eroding it piece by piece will accomplish much more than the old fashioned frontal assault. Do you hear that? An end run around national sovereignty, eroding it piece by piece, will accomplish much more than the old-fashioned frontal assault. And earlier he talks about the difficulties that some nation states, some member nations of the United Nations are having in going along with the UN agenda. So they're making no mistake about this here. Now, in order to illustrate this concept, let's go ahead and start talking about Agenda 21, which is now known as Agenda 2030. Agen I want to say quick, I'm, so I was an expert in Agenda 21, but I'm diving back into the Agenda 2030. I used to deliver speeches and put together presentations and do interviews on Agenda 21 maybe about 10 years ago uh, in Austin City Government. And I could see them rolling out Agenda 21 at the local level through their Austin Comprehensive Plan and the Austin Climate Protection Plan, right? And I'm just beginning to look into the Great Reset and very familiar with technocracy and the technology and the experts melding together smart cities. And we're going to talk about the fourth industrial revolution when we talk about Great Reset. I'm just going to give a broad overview of these very deep and uh, intricate institutions, plans, programs, strategies. And later on in the podcast and on the show, we're going to bring on experts to talk more in depth about each one of these areas. Uh, Derek Bros could talk at length at, about technocracy. I'd love to get James Corbin on to talk about J uh, the uh, Great Reset, maybe Rosa Corey, who's an activist against Agenda 21, uh, to talk about all that stuff. But for now, I'm going to give you a nice little overview. And then really where my magic and I think a lot what I have to offer the uh, community lies in the solutions because that's really what it's all about. So Agenda 21 was a plan, an international plan that was hashed out at the 1992 Rio de Janeiro Earth Summit held in Brazil. It was essentially a document with core principles, findings, and a strategy of action for nations that signed on to execute back in their nation state, in their home state. Now, the United States Senate never signed on to this as a treaty, but George H.W. Bush did sign it at, on behalf of the United States. And of course, for those of you that are familiar with George H.W. Bush, the father of George Walker Bush, the son of Prescott Bush, who was involved with the Nazi, the National Socialists, um, he is the ultimate insider, one of the ultimate insiders, former head of the CIA, total globalist. Uh, Ronald Reagan was a little bit of a departure from the trilaterals who controlled the Carter administration, but the powers that be still put in their, their vice president, George H.W. Bush, under Reagan, and he became the president in 1992. And ever since then, you know, the United States has been controlled by the Bush-Clinton crime family. It's been Bush, it was Bush, Clinton, and then back to Bush, 
and then Obama, which was just the Clinton administration with Hillary Clinton as the Secretary of State. And then Donald Trump really threw a big wrench. I need to do an entire episode on Donald Trump, right? I'm not a supporter of Donald Trump. I don't vote for Donald Trump, but I do appreciate what he has to offer in some areas, although I still see the authoritarian strains. And there's a lot of good work that Derek Rose is putting out showing his connection to the pharmaceutical industrial complex, the surveillance state, the biosecurity state that's that's coming out. So I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Allison Ellison just says she's tuning in from SoCal. We're going to go to your comments um, as we deliver this. And um, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Again, this is the Live Free Now show, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. I invite you to subscribe to our podcast at livefreenow.show. So what Agenda 21 hoped to accomplish was to leverage environmentalism as a means of bringing about centralized government. And there's these three E's that we see laid out all the time in Agenda 21. And these three E's also carry forward into Agenda 2030. And they also are present in the Great Reset. Those three E's are economy, environment, and equity, social equity. And it's interesting. I did this awesome presentation for the Austin City Council and showed how the Austin Comprehensive Plan, Seattle's Comprehensive Plan, all the comprehensive plans for major cities, they all have those three E's as though there was some sort of central steering committee that dictated what is going to be in these comprehensive plans, which dictate growth and development and environmental standards in a given city. And it's interesting. I also found a study. Uh, it was like in, from 2005, it was this industry paper about how to ro more effectively roll out Agenda 21. And in the document, they point out, we used to call it a local Agenda 21, but that would bring out people from militias and conservatives and the John Birch Society. So instead, we shifted it and called it Austin, that we called it comprehensive planning. And to point out that article that I read you, the hard road to world order, an end run around national sovereignty needs to, we need to erode it piece by piece in a decentralized and end run fashion, right? Not directly. That's what these, these internationalists, the oligarchs, the conspirators, they leverage deception in order to carry out their goals. Because if they were to present it for what it really is, right? Destruction of private property, uh, egalitarianism, rather than lifting everyone up, it's leveling the playing field, taking from the wealthy, right? Rather than removing barriers to entry and government control. So it's easier for innovation and markets to take foot, to rise the standard of living for the masses. They want to bring everything down. And ultimately, some of the stuff that's enumerated in Agenda 21, specifically the Global Biodiversity Assessment, which is this companion document to Agenda 21 that's hundreds of pages long, that really gets into the nuts and bolts of how it ought to be implemented. They say, if we are to maintain the current standard of living, of the world as a whole, then we need to see a dramatic reduction in the size of population to like 1.5 billion, something like that. Or if we're to maintain the current population, then we need to live more like serfs and we can't have the same standard of living. That's, that's some of the stuff that's getting carried out. So as Richard Gardner pointed out, rather than presenting these things directly, they wanna do an end run around. And as the United Nations recognized in the difficulty in carrying forward Agenda 21 in the United States of America, a relatively free country, although there's an old saying, none are more hopelessly enslaved than those that falsely believe they are free, is that a lot of the states and the federal government wasn't getting on board. 
So rather than going directly, they went through the International Council of Local Environmental Initiatives, which works directly with the cities. And they did an end run around and work with the cities. Okay. And so some of the stuff that Agenda 21 wants to accomplish, Agenda 2030 is, is much the same. It's just a little more thorough and they updated the agenda. But uh, they wanted to have all sorts of controls on your private property, standards about your energy use, um, zoning that makes it prohibitive to do certain things. Of course, we have what's called smart growth, which is the creation of mixed use, multi, uh, multi-use development where the commercial stacked and packed with the residential and you don't have to drive. One of the big Agenda 21 pushes is to create disincentives for the use of automobiles so people can't travel freely on their own. They're dependent on uh, public transportation. We actually see a big Proposition A trying to get pushed through in the city of Austin, Texas. Is multi big old bond that's going to increase taxes like sixteen to twenty five percent. They're pushing it as part of an environmental control and to help with equity for those that are working class people and the essential services, so they have better transportation. It's essentially a big giant boondoggle. But ultimately, what Agenda Twenty One wants to accomplish is a destruction of the normal way of life, right? Uh, destruction of private property. Uh, controls on people, egalitarianism. That's really what it's all about. Bringing in the internationalists and international control, usurping national sovereignty and going straight to the local level. Now, I want to point out through all of this, we do not, I do not, and my crew, we don't subscribe to the idea of a nation state, right? And we don't want this new normal that's being carried forward after COVID-19. But just the same, we don't want to go back to the old way of doing things. I gave a speech to Liberty Forum in New Hampshire several years ago, and it was called Agora 21. And it was exploring and contrasting agorism, revolutionary market anarchism, with Agenda 21. And I pointed out that Agenda 21 is against the U.S. Constitution because they believe that the U.S. Constitution and American sovereignty creates too much freedom. Well, agorism is against the U.S. Constitution because we believe it creates too little freedom. So it's this difficult part where there's some commonalities where we object to the way that things are going, but we certainly don't want things to be set up as the internationalists and globalists want it to be. Again, they're carrying forward an agenda of greater centralization. They give it this nice populist veneer as though they care about people and they want to help bring aid to people and help lift up the impoverished masses, when in reality, they simply want to control everyone. And when we talk about technocracy, we'll see really what that's all about. But let me just show you, I mean, all this stuff is all public stuff that you can go check out. This is the uh, sustainable development goals. This is Agenda 2030, essentially right here, transforming our world, the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. And they lay out all these targets and all these goals they, you know, it's all good stuff. We're determined to end poverty and hunger, right? We're determined to protect the planet from degradation, including through sustainable consumption, production, and sustainably managing its natural resources. Prosperity. We want people to enjoy prosperous and, and fulfilling lives. They want peace. Partnership. One of the big elements of Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030 is public-private partnerships, which is essentially... Um, fascism, really, and backdoor deals and helping, you know, giving money to your buddies. But the way that this gets carried out with prosperity, for example, right? 
the way that you lift people up so they can enjoy greater access to wealth and capital so they can increase their standard of living is through relaxing constraints. And herein lies one of the greatest criticisms of this whole operation, the Agenda 21, 2030, Great Reset, the technocracy, right? There are laudable ends that, oh, wow, you want to make lift people out of prosperity, lift people out of poverty into prosperity. That's a beautiful goal, right? I have the same goal. But the way that the powers that be, the internationalists, the globalists, the Rockefellers, the Gates, the United Nations, the way that they want to bring that about is by adding constraints, adding controls, manipulation, coercion through government, through public-private partnerships, through non-governmental organizations. They want to control things as a means of lifting people up, as a means of bringing about uh, better environmental standards, right? As a means of bringing about greater equality. The true way, and this is a message that I would love for you to share if you agree with it, the best way to lift people up out of poverty is through relaxing constraints, through getting government the hell out of the way so people with good ideas that want to add value in the lives of others can do so without having to go through so much red tape, without having to shell out hundreds of dollars for a license, without having to be taxed, without having to use inflated currency that's constantly losing value, without having to have so much uncertainty because the regulatory framework is constantly changing to benefit the, those in power to benefit the bigger firms at the expense of the smaller firms and the startups. That's how you create the ideal, which is people lifted up out of poverty. Um, not equality as an egalitarianism, but equality under the law in that we're all treated the same when it comes to laws that exist, politicians and the productive, right? The parasitic versus the productive class, just the same. So I want to point that out, that you know, you read it on the surface, seems like great stuff. Yeah, this is all great. We want to do this as well. But then when you dig a little bit deeper on their methods and how they want to carry this stuff out, it's all about control, which ultimately benefits the few at the expense of the many. So let's get down into the Great Reset as well. I'm going a little bit long here, and I want to spend more time on the solutions. I try to make these podcasts around an hour long. Daniel Juarez says, love your show, man. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate all that. Mary Brandy Buck says, I get your point about the end run. Recalls the message from Ben Stone, Bad Quaker's work, sedition, subversion, and sabotage. He does a lot of good work. I haven't heard from Ben Stone in quite some time. So uh, here we go. Maximus Kavanaugh says, the main disruptor should be psychological. Yes, the six points connect, but it starts with knowing how and why your perception works. If you see the world for what it is, none of the manipulation works. I really appreciate that. A lot of it has to do with perception and critical thinking and thinking for yourself and kind of breaking out of the social conditioning that's been imparted upon us uh, at, and since we were infants and 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 young kiddos. All right, well, let's talk about the, so that's pretty much the Agenda 21, Agenda 2030. Again, in future podcasts and programs, we're going to get a little bit more in-depth into that. But now let's switch gears to uh, the good old Great Reset. Oh my goodness, this sounds like so much fun to reset things. The Great Reset is out of the World Economic Forum, which meets annually in a small Swiss town called Davos. This is their website. There is an urgent need for global stakeholders to cooperate in simultaneously managing the direct consequences of the COVID-19 crisis. To improve the state of the world, the World Economic Forum is starting the Great Reset Initiative. 
Now, essentially what they hope to do, much the same as Agenda 21 with the equity, economy, and environment, is to reset the whole society and the way things are doing. They even say reset the way the world operates. I was listening to the Great Reset podcast today, my podcast feed, and they had a woman on that works with the nonprofit foundation that brings people to Sesame Street, and they're leveraging Sesame Street characters in order to propagandize the Great Reset onto young children. And one of the things they were talking about is this whole new concept of education for children being delivered through computers and through technology. One of the things that the Great Reset is all about is what's called the Fourth Industrial Revolution. The Fourth Industrial Revolution will be technology, business, government, non-governmental organizations merging technology and biology together, transhumanism, smart cities, technocracy, that's what it's all about. That's one of the aims of the Great Reset. They want to essentially wipe out the way things were done before. You know, imagine a nation state is in massive debt, right? Hundreds of billions of dollars, trillions of dollars. And the World Economic Forum and the United Nations and all these big, powerful NGOs come along and they say, hey, we're willing to wipe out all of your debt if you go along with this agenda, right? This could be the, one of the ways that it gets rolled out. And so they want to reset the way the economy works away from private enterprise, away from free markets to this, again, controlled, top-down, hierarchical, right? And they want to lift people up out of poverty through redistribution of wealth. And what happens is so you have wealthy people here and you have people that are in poverty here, right? And there's a big gap between those two people. For those of you that are listening, I have one hand up high and one hand lower, and so the real way to lift people out of poverty is to free the market and allow beautiful people to add value to one another's lives and to innovate and to compete. And what that will do is do, 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 do. both my hands are rising, right? Both of my hands are rising. Instead, what they want to do is bring money and wealth away from the wealthy rich folk and give it to the poor folk. This doesn't create actual ingenuity, actual development, actual value being added, actual goods and resources that are in demand through market forces. This will expand sectors that the World Economic Forum deems desirable, like technology, like Zoom, like big tech, like environmental controls, like carbon tax industry, all sorts of stuff like that. So it's essentially, it's like a marketing scheme for the same damn thing that the oligarchs have been trying to carry forward in the first place. And, you know, I think a lot of it is, you know, they want to bring people away from human connection and into this dystopian future where you tap into a virtual reality in order to conduct business and education. And it's away from that human contact. And of course, they're leveraging COVID-19 as a means of accelerating this plan, right? And I'm going to go back to, no, we don't want to go back to the old way of doing things as agorists and voluntarists. We want, we do want a new way of doing things, a new liberty normal, right? Not this other new normal. They're in the same boat and they're just taking it towards more top-down and more control. And so part of the Great Reset element is this fourth industrial revolution, which essentially is technocracy. Technocracy is a political institution, a means of operating a government 
whereby it's not politicians who are elected by the people, that's all fraud we know, that are in charge. Rather, it's experts. And this is something that Jack Spierko pointed out. We did an episode on technocracy. I have it linked down below. I shared some links and some good articles for you guys. Um, let me point out real quick, too, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is involved deeply in the World Economic Forum and the Great Reset, as are royal families from England and all over the place. It's, 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 a, it's a small club, right? And you're not invited. And so it's ruled by experts. And as Jack Spierko pointed out in our technocracy episode, it's still ruled by oligarchs. It's oligarchs choose the experts and they choose the style of, of rollout and the technocracy that's the technology that's going to be utilized in order to control humans. That's essentially what's taking place here. And so to point out more about technocracy, you know, we already see experts being propped up with the COVID-19 stuff. Thankfully, there's a lot of distrust with the experts as well. But to really point out the essence of technocracy, let's talk about the common pass. Look, there's even an article here in World Economic Forum, the common pass. Look at this. I have a video pulled up. Let's see if this one's the same or if it's just as good. Common Pass is a framework to link health data and COVID-19 tests with travel. So I want to I illustrate what technocracy is all about by relating it to COVID-19. The idea of immunity passports or COVID passports, which there is technology being carried forward through Rice University, funded in part by grants from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. That'll give you this little uh tattoo, a bio tattoo that imprints these dots that carries information, right? That's kind of similar to why, why people will cons were theorizing that they're going to roll out a chip within the vaccine. They don't have to do that. They have this little quantum dot tattoo that gets plopped on you when you take your vaccine to show that you have the alleged or supposed immunity. And so the idea is rather than requiring a vaccine, a mandatory vaccine, the deal is to take away privileges and make it difficult through technology for you to live your life. It looks like Derek Bros is chiming in here. Derek Bros of the Conscious Resistance Network. John, check out my latest piece briefly just to see what they're promoting next. It's smartphone tech for contact tracing apps, but it's also wearable tech and biosensors. Let me see. I think I pulled up your, yeah, I pulled that up to go over it. Thank you so much for tuning in there, uh, old bros. So let's check out what bro bros does a lot of really good work. If you're not familiar with his work, you can find it at the conscious resistance network.com. And normally I would be tuned into you right now on the conscious resistance YouTube channel. And there'd be hundreds of people that are watching right now, but the conscious resistance is in timeout for about a week longer because we got two dings against our account. One of them was for Kratom and one of them was from our friends over in India that were doing a video on anti-mask. But yeah, so yeah, let's let's take Bros's advice here and let's check out this article that he put out. I think today I read it while I was eating breakfast. Traveling the world. Oh, here it is. U.S. government awards contracts to seven organizations with ties to Gate Foundation, DARPA and Big Tech. And I just want to point out earlier, I did say, you know, Trump for me, represents a disruption of the status quo of the Bush-Clinton crime family. But still, thanks to some of the investigative work of Derek Bros, we see that he is wholeheartedly participating in the growth of the biosurveillance security state and the technocracy, right? That's the essence of the technocracy right now. That's why we're there. they're leveraging this crisis, right? Rahm Emanuel said, never let a good crisis go to waste. 
It's a problem-reaction-solution paradigm as birthed out of the Hegelian dialectic of thesis, antithesis, synthesis. You have a problem, COVID-19. The reaction is everyone is freaked out because they're watching so much news and there's always a stupid red charts going up where they see the cumulative cases rather than the cases every day in which they would see that they're getting lower. So problem, COVID-19, reaction, fear, solution, technocracy. That's how they're rolling it out. In addition to quantum dot tattoos, implantable RFID microchips, and COVID passes, which we'll talk about in a sec, that are on your phone, your smartphone app, which we already see being rolled out in Singapore and China. And they're already testing the waters in UK in order to fly. You got to have your little green light on your app. We have this new technology, which is like some plastic piece that's fitted on you. And so the National Institute of Health has rolled out millions of dollars of grants to several organizations, IBM, they're the ones, speaking of tracking and tracing, IBM's the one that created the Hollerith machine that assisted the Nazis in their eugenics scheme to eliminate and track and trace and control the Jews that they were exterminating during the Holocaust. You know, another thing to point out too, I'm a crypto guy since 2011, 2012 or so, but cryptocurrency as an industry, because there's this one of the companies called iCrypto, they lever, lever, leverage blockchain technology in order to uh, have a frictionless means of verifying identity and transferring information. We also see some crypto guys involved in Identity 2020. Is that what it is? Maybe bros can chime in. ID 2020, which is another Bill and Melinda Gates, big consortium, all these internationalists and big cartel capitalist corporations and there's cryptocurrency companies that are being uh, that are being leveraged in order to make it more frictionless and more smooth and so the article points out the millions of dollars that are coming out in order to further the contract contact tracing technology whether it's through bluetooth whether it's leveraging wi-fi or whether it's these freaking little things that you put on your chest or they also everyone has these little iphone smart watches and stuff samsung smartwatch I've never put one on my body because it's just constant Bluetooth going through your body. But those will monitor your heart rate and they'll monitor temperature. And there'll be all these factors, including who you were just around, that they'll leverage in order to better control you. It's like they're creating a panopticon. Uh, I've always said that the government, the powers that be, want to be like gods and that they're omnipresent. They're always everywhere right? On your phone, listening in, always in your mind, the statist philosophy. They're omniscient and that they know everything. They are leveraging their 5G technology in order to just have the entire globe blanketed with these frequencies that can ping off your phone, ping off your chip, ping off your smart wristwatch, and they can see where you're going all the time and who you've involved yourself with and who you're associating with so they can start digging on those guys as well. And through their omnipresence and omniscience, they want to be omnipotent, all-powerful. And that's, man, that's what the technocracy is all about. They're rolling this stuff out in record time. So to demonstrate the technocracy, and we see it, of course, with the Great Reset. It's all part of the agenda. We're going to play this video here. I haven't even seen this video. I had another one pulled up. It might be the same one, but we're going to pull this up for you guys. So we can see what Common Pass is all about. And this is the essence of technocracy. And I've gone a little long on the describing scenario part of it, but we're really going to get into the solutions here in a second. Maybe this will just be a longer podcast than usual. All right, here we go. Can you guys hear that? 
Common Pass is a framework to link health data and COVID-19 tests with travel. Common Pass is a platform that lets people safely and securely collect their health information, whether it is a negative COVID test result or eventually a record of a COVID vaccination, manage that information, control it themselves, and then be able to let that information be used to demonstrate that they have had a negative test or they have been vaccinated so they can get on an airplane or travel to another country. For countries, it gives them the ability to actually know confidently that this person who wants to come visit them can actually safely be admitted into their country without risk of exposing other people in the country to, to COVID. The platform will inform you of the rules in place at your destination, let you upload your lab test result, give you certification prior to boarding, and on arrival, and while keeping your data safe, all while keeping your data safe. Privacy is a key part of the initiative. Yeah, right. CommonPass says data will be shared only with the user's explicit and will be stored only at the source and on the user's if phone. you put yourself in a traveler's shoes, you know, people want to travel, but they don't want to and frankly shouldn't have to hand out their sensitive health information to every airline they want to fly, every country they want to visit, every airport they want to travel through. And so I think the, the balance that needs to be achieved is say, hey, how can we give, let's say, a country or an airline the comfort they need to know that this person is safe to travel or safe to enter a country without having to reveal um, sensitive health information? Currently, Common Pass will be trialed in East Africa, where trade and travel has stalled due to national lockdowns. Eastern African community needed to reopen their borders for truckers, and the system proved an inspiration for Common Pass. So All right, we're not going to go any further. So this is what we have being rolled out. This is what the future looks like if we don't all step up and create our own reality. My thinking is that these guys are so advanced in their efforts that this is this is being rolled out. This isn't what they want to do. This is what they have done. And so what I'm interested in exploring, we'll save this for another episode. I talked about it recently on, on the last podcast, episode 41, where I talked about these spontaneous order festivals and freedom cells. We're going to need to figure out a way to carve out ourselves some sovereignty and some free association in the midst of the technocracy. It's going to be incredibly difficult to do, but there's strength in numbers and through community and a strong network. That's how we're going to be able to do it. And that's we're going to talk about that here in a sec. Okay, so COVID-19 has only accelerated the technocracy. The World Economic Forum is basically doing a marketing pitch called the Great Reset in order to roll out all of these controls. And all the while, since 1992, the United Nations through Agenda 21, now Agenda 2030, has been leveraging environmentalism to bring forward greater equity, improve the environment, and create a more equitable economy. All in reality, all that means is more control, top-down bad news bears. These are the oligarchs, folks. There's all these people that are like, oh, the World Health Organization and the United Nations and Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. These these are great folks. It wasn't not too long ago when everyone thought ill of the Rockefellers and the Carnegies. And there's this term 
uh, robber baron, for example, that's exactly what this still is. It's the ultra elite who have shifted their plan and their program, and they now have the technology accessible in order to create total control, in order to end the cycle of revolutions where the people and the masses are essentially dumbed down, enslaved, tracked and traced. If you step out of line, we switch off your Kobe pass. We switch off your ability to do business and it's bad news bears. Somebody uh, in the comments here says the Amish did it. They have their own society. Darren, that's a great point. And at our little spontaneous order festival, we, we were at recently in Oklahoma, a lot of that, somebody brought that up as well. I'd love to study the Amish more and see how it is that they were able to opt out. Uh, did they get grandfathered in? Is it because of the religion? And if so, what does that look like in order to create our own religion of free people that adhere to the non-aggression principle or whatever? I don't know, but that's a great point. Okay, so let's go on with these tips real quick. I've now gone into 40 minutes, but we're going to rock and roll and get you guys some good information. So I laid out the problem pretty thoroughly. It's a big problem. It's a problem that we face. It's a problem that's already impacting our lives. It's a problem whereby if we don't step up our game as free, sovereign human beings, it is going to get worse. And I fear it will put us in an environment, in a situation where there's no reversing, where the new normal is here to stay, where humans are disarmed totally controlled, tracked, and traced, right? And it's even more difficult to escape. So it's really, you know, it's been crunch time for quite some time, but COVID-19 just like, wow, wham, bam, took it to a whole nother level. The enemies of liberty have accelerated their agenda. It's up to we free people to accelerate our actions and activities and get organized as well. Okay, so the first tip that we're gonna provide for you in order to opt out, in order to disrupt this agenda is to stay healthy. Look, if you eat well, if you have an active lifestyle, if you exercise, if you minimize stress, if you do controlled breathing, if you, when there is sickness, you boost your vitamins, you boost your minerals, you roll stuff, roll with stuff like colloidal silver instead of the antibiotics, you can not even get involved in that entire system in the first place. A lot of people are dependent on the pharmaceutical industrial complex for opioid pain medication, for anti-anxiety depression medicine, for high blood pressure medicine. And in reality, 99 times out of 100, there are alternatives, there are lifestyle changes that you can implement in your life in order to be free when it comes to your health, right? Everyone's always concerned with political freedom and financial freedom. Well, health freedom is extremely critical because your life's going to be miserable if you are constantly sick and you are going to be more susceptible to government control if you rely on these institutions in order for your health care. Here's another example. Healthcare this is what Jack Spierko always points out. He points out that there's not going to be mandatory vaccines, and one of the mechanisms that the powers that be or powers that wish they were are going to leverage in order to push for more vaccination is through health insurance. Oh, okay, we see that you're not up to date on your COVID-19 immunization. Then we are going to have to charge a premium because you are greater risk to get COVID-19, thus increasing our costs, right? It's an economic calculation that insurance companies make. I counter that by saying, well, I'm, my hope is that the market will provide and there will be insurance companies that cater to 
um, those that don't do the vaccines. But look, here's the deal. This perfectly illustrates and emphasizes my point. There are people out there that recognize the problem and want to do something about it, but because of poor health choices, because of, let me point out to you, I don't want to sound insensitive. I do recognize that there are genetic predispositions to certain types of diseases. However, based on the work of Dr. Joel Wallach, for example, who wrote the book on epigenetics called Epigenetics, even if someone is genetically predisposed for a particular disease that's been in their family, through their environment, through their nutrition, especially through proper supplementation of vitamins and minerals, which have been depleted from our soil, thanks to the Rockefeller Foundation investing in the whole monocropping concept in the 1900s, um, you can minimize the chances of that disease, dis-ease, presenting itself in your life, okay? And so when you are in fear, when you are in poor health, when you are dependent on the medical industrial complex, the medical industrial pharmaceutical congressional complex in order to have good health, in order to just exist without being in constant pain or without worrying about your blood pressure going through the roof, then you are more easily controlled than if you were in good health, rocking your vitamins and not on any prescription medication whatsoever. I'm going to point that out. Again, I don't want to be dis insensitive, dissen insensitive to folks that are struggling. And I know, you know, ideally you can just start with a clean slate. I know there's people that have made choices and have had these health issues, so on and so forth. But we can still strive to get further from here to there, right? There is total health, not dependent on any pharmaceuticals, in good health, not fatigued, right? No chronic conditions. And where a lot of people are is they're struggling. They're on high blood pressure medication. They're on that prescription opioid for the knee injury. There's other ways to get around this without being dependent. Now, that health insurance thing is really important. If you have multiple prescriptions, you constantly go to the doctor. Um, there's alternatives like health shares, for example, that aren't going to be as easily controlled by the man and used as a pressure point for you to make sure that you are doing what the government and what the powers that be want you to do. So it's important to stay in good health. I'm not just going to say stay in good health. I'm going to encourage you to get a solid multivitamin, multi-mineral supplement, bang on some magnesium, vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, plus Q-certain, which helps the zinc to better absorb in the cells. Those That little power punch right there, vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, Q-certain, that will definitely help to keep you in healthy and minimize the risk with all this COVID-19 stuff, whether it's a real virus or not, whatever. It's stuff you ought to be taking. Exercise, getting out in the sun, soaking up some vitamin D, jogging, walking, playing, being happy and healthy, avoiding stress. You got something in your life that stresses you out? Try to minimize that as much as you can. Does your work stress you out? Look, earth to whoever the fuck is in victim mode all the way. You don't have to be employed there. Even in an economy where there seems to be fewer job opportunities, you can step out of victim mode and into proactivity and create an ideal life where you don't have to be stressed out, tired as fuck when you come home, pissed off at your spouse, yelling at your kids, and not having any energy to go out and do and love life. So that's what I'm going to say. One way to disrupt and overcome this nightmare scenario we see being set up for us is to stay in good health. This is all about being proactive. Stepping out of victimhood. That's the new paradigm for activism. My first third of my activist career, it was all about 
waking people up and educating them about the tyranny and making sure they know about the global government. They know about false flag terrorism as a tool for controlling populations, submitting them into fear so you can roll out the police and surveillance state. That was the paradigm. Now the paradigm is, okay, the problem's pretty damn clear. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's a fact, Jack. This shit is going down. It's being rolled out. The new paradigm is, what are we going to do about it? What proactive steps can we take in our lives and in our communities in order to overcome the nightmare totalitarian dictatorial technocracy that is being set up for us? Also recognizing that we are inherently powerful and we have not even begun to tap into our potential as change agents, as agents of good in this world. And it's up to each and every one of us to step up our game and do just that. All right, my next little area where we can help disrupt the agenda and where we can opt out of the technocracy is to raise free and sovereign children. So the enemies of liberty have adopted the long game. These guys are on a multi-generational approach to creating their global government. They are not worried about the election of the day, although they seem to be pretty worried about Trump. They are more concerned with putting the pieces in, in play, like we saw with Richard Gardner's Hard Road to World Order, and uh, putting piece by piece a piecemeal approach. They're, they're more concerned with positioning their pieces on the grand chessboard, as a big new Brzezinski pointed out, so that they can go in for the kill and checkmate the human experiment. And... When you adopt a long picture, you don't concern yourself with the politics of the day. You concern yourself with what can I do to build a foundation for freedom, at least in my lifetime, if not in my lifetime, at least in my children's lifetime, right? And that's what I got my eye on. I have two children, ages seven and nine, and I have a driver's license. I pay income tax. I don't like it. I run a business. I don't want to live in poverty. I'm actively working on building the network necessary so more people, myself included, feel more comfortable opting out while still maintaining business relationships and a high standard of living. But I'm acting for my kiddos, and I have my eye on how can I create an environment where they never have to be subjected to the controls and the tyranny and the fear and the coercion and the statism that I was myself, okay? And so one of those things that I've done is my kids don't have social security numbers, no slave surveillance number whatsoever. They do not have it. And it's my belief that they can carry forward into life without ever being tracked and traced by that number, which essentially is a tax tag number. So that's my hope. Now everyone's like, well, what are they going to do if they want to open a bank account or do this, that, or the other? First of all, federally, the Social Security is only supposed to be utilized legally for the Social Security Act, which is just a big Ponzi scheme that gets leveraged to pay for wars and pay for programs and stuff. It literally is a Ponzi scheme. Second of all, when people bring that up, I always say, I used to say, before I knew about Bitcoin, I used to say, well, you know, one of these days there's going to be a technology out there where my kids can do banking and they can do commerce and they can trade amongst themselves without having to rely on the dollar or the banking system. 
And then shortly thereafter, I discovered cryptocurrency. And it's like, wow, that's already a thing. And now it's even grown so much more. Another thing, you know, if you have kiddos or if you're going to have kiddos, the kids, if they if they're like, dad, you and mom are freaking weird, although I don't think they are because they're already conscious enough to, you know, value freedom and know that the government is not their friend, but they can always just get a social security number down the road. So that's one thing. Don't let your children be tracked and traced and controlled from birth. Do everything you can to opt out of that as much as possible, right? Now, my son broke his leg, and we had to go to the hospital, right? Then you're involved with the hospital, this, so on and so forth. Don't vaccinate your kids, too, if you can't. If, that's no way. We haven't vaccinated our kids. It's a beautiful thing. Even though when my son cut, cut his finger and had to get stitches, they tried to push the tetanus shot. And then when my daughter had an ear infection from a earring, they tried to push the tetanus, tetanus shot. So they're really... Ramping that up. Now, another element of raising free and sovereign children is never putting your kids in public school. If you have your kids in public school, pulling them out of public school because that is n literally government indoctrination, right? There's a quote from old Malcolm X. He said, only a fool would let his enemy educate his children. He was talking, referring to the white man for black separatists and nation of Islam types. Well, for libertarians, voluntarists, and radicals, our enemy is the state, you know, and again, I, I don't want to be insensitive. I know that people feel that they don't have options, but you do have options. You have community. I did a video you can find. It's a podcast also at livefreenow.show where I talk about the different alternatives to public education, to government schools uh, that you can leverage, whether it's private schools like Montessori, Reggio Emilia, Waldorf. Whether it's homeschooling, using the Ron Paul curriculum, some other style. There's a great Waldorf curriculum that we utilized. What was it called? I don't remember the name of it. It's a Waldorf homeschool curriculum. You could, you could, you could, Morpheus, something like that. You could look it up. Or whether it's unschooling, which is child-led learning, letting the kid be free and helping to further their interests. Those are all different alternatives. Or you can get yourself a freedom cell and work with other parents in order to spread the burden and the time and the resources. You chip in, you get a freedom cell of around four, five, six, seven, eight families. You chip in on the homeschool curriculum. Tina and Dave take lead on Monday and Wednesday. Roger and Carrie take lead on Wednesday and Thursday. And you get your kids out of that public school paradigm because the public school, government school thing was already pretty damn bad. And the founders of public schooling Early on, I wish I could think of the guy's name, Horace Mann, I think it was. The founders of public schooling, they based it on the Prussian, yeah, it is Horace Mann. They based it on the Prussian education model, which expressly was created in order to churn out citizens that obey the state and that are ready and willing to fill the factories to grow the Industrial Revolution. That's what the public education was all about. That's what happened. That's what they did. And that was imported into the United States of America, and that's still the case today. There's state worship. There's Pledge of Allegiance. There is on all the walls. There's not all the big thinkers and innovators. It's all the presidents, and it's just worship of the state, and it's not good for children, especially if you want your children to be free. 
So again, you can go to unloosethegoose.com. We did a goose group podcast where we talked about pulling your kids out of public education. I did a nice long video. You can find it at livefreenow.show. If you have children and you have known for years, you don't want them to go into the public schools. Now is the time even more so with this nightmare paradigm of kids in masks, kids being doused, deloused, sprayed down, kids not being able to hug or high five or play with their buddies is not good for kids. And if you... If you don't want them to be in there, you can get them out. Don't be a victim. Don't be in reactionary mode. Don't say, well, we're already worn out and don't have the resources. Go out and get the resources. Manifest that stuff into your life. Because in order to get our kids out of the technocratic control and not being brainwashed and indoctrinated as global citizens and to worship the United Nations and having Dr. Fauci come in on the morning news show that gets fed to the children saying that you need to get vaccinated and don't trust your parents if they say this that or the other about covid you got to get them out of there all right the next area that you can engage in in order to disrupt and opt out of the technocratic control paradigm is becoming an entrepreneur and practicing counter economics so one of the things that they're trying to do in order to get people to take the damn vaccines is to take away privileges. The New England Journal of Medicine and some law journals in the United States have already said, we don't think that we should roll out a mandatory vaccine in that if you don't take the vaccine, you get put in jail. But we think that we should not allow someone to be employed, for example, or not allow someone to travel or enter federal buildings like they did with the Real ID Act. So here's the thing. Like we discussed, when you are dependent on the pharmaceutical industrial complex in order to maintain some semblance of good health, just the same when you're dependent on your employer and your employer all of a sudden says, well, you can't be hired. We're not going to continue to work with you unless you have a green light on your Kobe pass or unless you can show us your vaccine certificate, your immunity passport, then you're SOL. And this is why it's critically important, in my opinion, as well. And there's a lot of pushback in this agorist liberty community, maybe not as much in the agorist community, but a lot of people have a piss poor relationship with money and they feel that money is the root of evil. And whether it was instilled in them from their parents through some socialist bullshit that they heard on TV or whatever, I don't know what the hell it is, but money is not the root of evil. You know, ah, I got to catch myself here real quick because the United States Federal Reserve note is utilized and leveraged in order to do some dirty, treacherous things without the central bank, the Federal Reserve then these foreign wars of aggression would probably be pretty difficult to pull off on such a scale. But money in general, having access to wealth gives you freedom and gives you choices. For example, one of the things we're going to talk about in a second is getting out of the city. The cities are turned into total hellhole shitholes. It's only being accelerated with all this BLM, Antifa, burning down the cities. The whole smart growth smart cities paradigm. It's all there. I don't want to spoil getting out of the city. Um, but in order to get out of the city and get yourself some land or even a half acre out in the middle of nowhere so you can grow food and raise your kids and then go pick up the eggs in the morning from the chicken coop, you got to have money. In order to fly the coop, right? Derek Bros has been talking about this um, 
underground railroad from the States to Mexico, right? It's a beautiful thing. It's a great idea. But oftentimes for people, it'd be nice if you had an extra 2000 bucks or $5,000 or more to take with you when you drop your life and you all of a sudden go hole up in Mexico. You're going to need resources in order to live, especially if you're doing a big transition. So for those of you that say money is evil, literally what you're doing is saying F you money. I'm raising my middle finger here for the podcast audience. F you money. I don't have anything to do with you. And if there was ever any money out there, because money's everywhere, it's all over the place. It's not a scarce, limited resource. The money's like, we need to stay the hell away from this guy. He doesn't appreciate us. He doesn't want to have anything to do with us. So it's my belief that with entrepreneurship, yes, it's a struggle. Yes, there's some trade-off. One of the re things I realized as an entrepreneur is like, man, not only do I have to run the business and actually bring in the money, but I have to, I have, not only do I need to pay myself to do all the activities, but I have to bring in the money to pay myself. And there's a certain peace of mind when your employer is just paying you and the employer has all sorts of big daddy money and they're just paying you and you know that your paycheck is going to come. But even that is a false sense of security because the employer could all of a sudden go bankrupt without even telling the employees and all of a sudden you're stuck. I want to point out also, I do not believe it to be unethical, unjust, immoral, any type of theft, the intrinsic employer-employee relationship. I believe this to be a voluntary relationship that the employee and the employee employer enter into. Not to mention, the employer can voluntarily walk away if the work gets too difficult. I always hear everyone whining about the working conditions for Amazon employers and the employees in the warehouse and blah, blah, blah. Every time I get in an elevator or come across an Amazon employee delivery driver, because I get a lot of stuff delivered, I say, hey, I heard the working conditions are pretty difficult at Amazon. What's it like? He's like, yeah, it's hard work, but it's good. It's good work. That's all they say. There's all these people that are like whining on behalf of other people. Right. And like when you actually talk to the other people, they're like, well, I actually have a good job. Sure. Maybe there's some difficult conditions. OK, the answer to that is if you can't take the heat, get your ass out the kitchen. Don't work for Amazon unless you're willing to bust your ass because Amazon delivers my shit. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time when they say they're going to do it a day or two later. So I don't have a problem with the employee employee relationship. I also don't have a problem with capitalism, although capitalism is a pejorative. And I have a problem with crony capitalism and cartel capitalism, as Gary Allen calls it, and none dare call it conspiracy. I do not have a problem with the phenomenon whereby individual free enterprise capitalists, businessmen, they take on capital resources, warehouses, equipment, money. They leverage that capital in order to produce goods and services to fulfill the wants and needs of their customers and clients, thereby providing value. And in turn, they make a profit. There's nothing unethical or harmful about that system. And for everyone that's complaining about capitalism, like Jimmy T here, money is evil as is capitalism. You're posting this on a cell phone or a laptop that was created through the beauty and innovation that is only brought forward through capitalism. So I don't know what kind there, the end stage is here and no, you will not survive in your white man colony. Oh, Jimmy T. I don't know why you had to bring race into it, but I guess that's your worldview and that's okay. You can hate capitalism all you want, but I, I imagine you appreciate using your capitalist tools that are created for you because people put together resources and capital and they paid employees and they made a super big profit. Okay, let me take some comments real quick, and then we're going to talk about the counter economy. Tinker Bliss says, aren't there any good guys who are financially on par with the bad guys? Who are they? 
There are quite a few wealthy Bitcoin millionaires that would come to mind. Eric Voorhees is one of them. Um, Bitcoin.com. Oh my God, what's his name? He's the man. Roger Ver is another one. These guys are fully loaded, innovating, creating awesome businesses, and they're anarcho-capitalists, voluntarists that are loud and proud about the message. Those would be two people that I would point out right away, right off the bat, that are benefactors for many activists and organizations. I mean, are all the good guys broke asses like me? That's the thing, Tinker. I don't want you to be a broke ass, and I would encourage you to check out one of my previous podcasts about how to rise above, four ways that you can rise above in the COVID era. We are better able to live our lives. I don't think money brings you happiness, but money having money makes it a lot easier to pursue your happiness. And in the context that we're speaking of now, having resources makes it easier for you to avoid the technocracy. Now, that might seem like a paradigm and a paradox in that the more resources you have, perhaps the less risks you are being able to take. But that segues perfectly into the concept of the counter economy. Counter economics was iterated by Samuel Edward Konkin III, an agorist and early libertarian activist. Agorism is revolutionary market anarchism. It's the idea that we, in order to create a free society, we shouldn't participate within the state. We shouldn't compete within the state. Rather, we should compete with the state by creating alternative institutions, by opting out, and by engaging in the counter-economy. Counter-economics can be defined essentially in a broad sense as all those activities that are anti-state. However, specifically, counter-economics are participating, proliferating, furthering growing black and gray markets. Black markets being those activities, services, goods that are expressly prohibited by the state. Gray markets being, that would be like having a gun that you 3D printed and don't get registered, right? Gray markets are being those activities that are regulated by the state that in order to engage in goods or services associated with these activities, you have to ask for permission. Samuel Conkin encourages people to grow the counter economy. So, it's important if you have wealth, put some of that wealth in crypto, put some of that wealth in gold, put some of that wealth in a way where the government and the man can't get access to that. Begin trading under the table, outside of the purview and scope of the state, of the technocracy. Create those networks in order so that if you get shut out, if you get your social credit score drops below this rate, if you don't have the COVID pass, if you get shut out of employment or whatever, you can't go to the grocery store, you have created a counter-economic network with you and your friends and the community. You're participating with over 4,300 people if you join us in the Freedom Cell Network, which I'm going to talk about shortly. You've created that community, and you can continue doing business as usual, right? So again, entrepreneurship brings us choices. It brings us more authority and power over our own lives. There is a lot of needs and a lot of wants in this world. You can, through innovation and free enterprise, you can go meet those wants and needs of other human beings. And in exchange for meeting those wants and needs, they can give you money. Maybe you're against money. They can give you resources. You can barter. You can trade food, whatever. The point is, if you're employed, especially if you're employed with a big company, big corporation, you have less control over your destiny. I would encourage you to check out entrepreneurship. Check out the video I did, livefreenow.show. It was one of the early ones, maybe four or five, number four or five. I do intend to do more talks on entrepreneurship. 
This is the Live Free Now show, bringing you news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. So I want to hammer on that prosperity because I know there's so many brothers and sisters in our agorist community, in our activist community who are struggling financially, and I don't want to see that for you. And I've journeyed a long entrepreneurial journey ever since 2009. I've been self-employed or doing my own thing, and for the large part of that, I was in total poverty. Then I had two kids and realized I don't want to raise these kids in poverty. I don't want them to live in poverty ever again. So I started learning. I started hustling. I started believing in myself. And now I'm in a much better financial position. I'm in a financial position that enables me to start bringing you these podcasts and these videos again. I wasn't doing that before because I was working my ass off, setting the stage for me to come back and to share my gifts with the world. So I want to thank you for tuning in. And uh, we're going to talk more about Money And then here we go. Jimmy T says money is evil as is capitalism, but he's using his capitalist tool. What's up with that? <laughs> All right. Everybody's commenting on here. Let me see. Michael Soriano says, I drive for UPS. We are the real delivery guys, but Amazon has gotten better. It's hard work, but money is good. It's been good for my family, but it's a means to an end. I've woken up partly because of your work, trying to rise up. Hey, thanks, Michael Soriano. I really appreciate you. And uh, appreciate your business, and thank you so much for following along. And Jimmy T, you were piled in shit. All right, that's what he's got to say. He's contributing to the conversation because he's all triggered out. I recognize a lot of people that have leftist ideals often get triggered pretty wild. Oh, wow, a lot of people took interest in this section of the, of the talk. Anyone who wants to read about the prison that it's a 401k, check out Andy Tanner's book, 401 Chaos. Yeah, and that's another thing with the counter-economics. It doesn't have to be black and gray markets per se, but take your wealth, take your energy, take your resources out of the hands of the greedy bankers and the internationalists and the state, put it in the counter economy, invest in businesses, invest in your friends, invest in ammunition, invest in seeds, invest in goods and commodities that will maintain their value or become more valuable that you can engage in barter and all sorts of stuff. We're going to talk about that a lot. A lot more because it's critically important. I think there's a lack of knowledge uh, in this community. And I think there's myself and others have a lot to offer in that regard. All right. Step four, man, this is going to be a long one. I'm about to unloose the goose at four o'clock. So, and I did a podcast interview earlier about parenting, but whatever. All right. Minimize your digital footprint. This is something that I myself need to work on. The beauty of doing these podcasts is because it helps me to become more consistent, right? Because I don't want to be the guy that's like, do as I say, not as I do. Um, although, as I said before, we shouldn't be hard on ourselves. Uh, Michael Soriano said he's trying to rise up, right? Just be gr grateful and proud of what you've accomplished. This is total freedom, right? 110% agorist, no taxes, opted out, Entirely. Derek Bros is pretty much there, and I applaud him for that. Here's where you are. You're like, still got the corporate job. They take money out of my paycheck. I got this 401k, living in the city. I'm, I have one high blood pressure medication, right? The idea isn't like beat yourself up and think that you're not consistent because you aren't all the way out here out of the matrix. But the idea is just to take active steps in your daily life, changes in your lifestyle. So you inch your way, hopefully make some big leaps as well, towards sovereignty. It's not something – we didn't become enslaved overnight. We were born free. We are born beautiful, sovereign human life that's ready to experience this amazing world and synchronicity, you know, synchronize with all – I'm trying to get too deep here. I'm losing it. Um, we weren't born slaves. We learned slavery. We learned – 
being controlled, right? That's not the natural state of the human being or any other animal for that matter. And so it's going to take a while to unlearn it, and it's going to take a while to opt out of the matrix that we were born into. So the point is, go easy on yourself, but take active steps all the time. And I got into that little side quest because that is something that I need to do in my own life when it comes to minimizing my digital footprint. That goes with the smartphone. Do you realize 1984, they had the telescreens, and 1984 was a society where there was omniscience, all-knowing, and omnipresence of the government, right? And that was a telescreen, like a top-down thing. We've opted into the telescreen. It's all over us. It's all around us. And your phone has GPS tracking. Chances are you use Google Maps, and every single way you go, it's being tracked and traced. You can go back and look at your history of all the places that you've been in the past year, in the past five years, 10 years, however long you've been using the damn, the damn phone. So the point is, try to turn it off when you're not using it. It's just, it's, there's this balance between liberty and privacy and convenience. And honestly, after having kiddos and becoming more successful in business, I've been way too convenient, right? Like I recently switched my browser, my standard browser on my, on my computer to DuckDuckGo. But the searches were kind of shitty, you know, like, sure, when you search something about anti-vax or some truther stuff, it's more likely to come up. But when you search something that's just practical, useful in life, Google's a damn good search engine. So point is, let's try to move ourselves to more of a private, more of an encrypted. When you use encrypted communication, start a secret chat on Telegram. Use Signal, although I've had a lot of problems with Signal. It crashes all the time and erases all of the history. Use Telegram encrypted chat. Uh, move away from Facebook as much as you can. In fact, rather than consuming so much content, this is another thing I need to tell myself, and I am right now, rather than consuming so much content, spend less time consuming and more time creating valuable content for your business or for the movement, right? Spend less time consuming. Spend more time on Float, float.app. It's put together by some voluntarists, Aaron and Kingsley, and it's all based on crypto. It's amazing. It's you can incorporate a Bitcoin wallet. There's Float. There's Parler. If you for you more right wingers out there and, and right wing libertarian Trump guys, there's Minds.com. There's MeWe. MeWe seems to be one of the more popular ones. I'm going to do a podcast and a video on some of the different ones. I've been utilizing them and have a little bit of uh, understanding which ones are good in, in different areas. So try to minimize your digital footprint because that track and con trace control grid, man. It is going to be leveraged against you. It is being leveraged against you. I will say, though, when it comes to convenience, I would rather have an ad that's tailored to my desires and my needs and where I'm at in life than just random ads. Like I found a lot of good stuff through Facebook ads. So it's a paradox. It's a paradigm. These tools are useful and practical and greatly benefit our lives in a variety of different ways. But at the same time, they have been leveraged by the powers that be, the powers that wish they were, in order to have more control and more authority over our lives. So we all need to put on our big boy pants, big girl pants, and be responsible and understand the pitfalls of such technology while not going total Luddite, right? And again, back to money. It talked about entrepreneurship. It talked about having money. If you're concerned with the technocracy, if you had a lot of money, you could buy one of these totally encrypted, super valuable phones. I think Bros talks about one of them. I forget what it is. But they have these phones that are basically phones for agorists that are totally into operational security and privacy. It takes money to get that kind of stuff, right? Money gives you more choice, gives you more freedom. All right, step five is to get out of the city. 
The city is where the technocracy is being rolled out. The comprehensive plans, the smart growth, the local Agenda 21 is being rolled out in the big cities. Out in the rural areas, it's pretty chill. And I'll tell you, driving out of Austin, going up to Spavanaugh, Oklahoma for the Mid-Continental Liberty Festival, as soon as we left the city, the mask wearing, not only was it less, although it was still a significant number of the people, but it was never enforced once for me not to have a mask on, starting at check stop that we went to to get some food and to, and to refuel. Check stop, north of Waco, no mask. You get into these small towns in Oklahoma, they don't even have the signs on the door that say wear your mask at the small gas station. The city is where the control is, where the tyranny is, where there's opportunity for violence, chaos, and disruption. Outside of the city is where there's more, yeah, there's good old boy networks, which can be corrupt, but those same good old boy networks, uh, it's like old school mutual aid. It's like rugged individualism. It's growing your own food. It's knowing your neighbors. It's operational security, knowing when there's somebody in the area that ought not to be in the area or stands out like a sore thumb, getting out of the city. The whole dream of owning a big piece of property where you're self-sufficient, you grow your own food, you got eight of your other buddies there living together, strength in numbers, supporting one another, multiple families, helping to raise the children like a tribe, like we used to be. That's what it's all about. And if you want to avoid, if you want to disrupt this technocratic paradigm, you need to get out of the city. This is exactly what Agenda 21 doesn't want you to do. There's this project called the Wildlands Project, which is iterated through Agenda 21, through the Global Biodiversity Assessment. And there was a gentleman, a professor, that put together a visual map, a visualization of what the Wildlands Project would look like. And essentially the goal is to rewild the Earth's surface. So imagine rather than fencing in all of the areas and the animals and wildlife live in fences and the humans are free to go about their lives. You would fence in the humans in small compact cities and then rewild so animals can graze and can have migratory periods across the whole earth. Now, see, here's another one of those things I want to point out. Like, I don't think that the whole earth should be fenced in and controlled. And I would like to see more, more just property that no one owns that's not owned by government which owns a significant portion of the wildlife wild pro, uh, wild land in the United States through all their national parks and UN heritage sites I should say but I also don't think it should be owned privately by just somebody that just has thousands and thousands of acres and doesn't even use it I don't know exactly where that balance is land is a tricky one even in libertarian circles there's georgias and all sorts of stuff but I do know that it's not a good idea to be herded into compact cities so we can be tracked and controlled and traced. And you look at the visualization of this Wildlands Project, you can look at Wildlands Project map if you want to see it right now as I speak. In fact, let's just pull it up for you. And the visualization has humans living in compact cities, which are little black dots, Wildlands Project, and everything else is where all of the animals are. And so the idea is that the humans can only go in these small little areas. And then there's other areas which are like buffers. Check this out. This is the Wildlands Project. This is part of Agenda 21, simulated reserve and corridor system to protect biodiversity. The UN Convention on Biological Diversity is where this came from, which is one of the sister documents to Agenda 21. So the idea is, see this little black, this little gray? It's hard to see. There's a little gray there. There's a little gray here. This one doesn't emphasize the gray areas, but the idea is humans go under these gray areas, which are the cities, 
No, those are military reservations. I'm sorry. Normal use are these light green here. Light green, light green. And so these humans live in these light green areas. The yellow are the buffer zones, which have little to no human use. And the red is no human use whatsoever. The buffer zones are highly regulated, highly tracked and controlled. This is what the United Nations has in store if we don't disrupt this agenda. This, this one wasn't as accurate, I think, because they just plopped those green areas. I imagine that the, the black areas would be more on, on cities and stuff, but that's, that's what it looks like. And the reason why the powers that be want you to be in a city is because it's easier to control you when you're living in a big city. You can have the panopticon. You can have the surveillance state. You don't have as much freedom. And so I want to encourage you to get the hell out of the city or at least to get a small piece of land that you can maintain. You can have your bug out spot. I mean, again, talked about entrepreneurship, talked about money. People are hating on money, but you got yourself an extra 50K or you have access to capital because you have a decent credit score and you can buy yourself a $75,000 two acre plot on the outside of town, 45 minutes to an hour away. You can buy yourself an $8,000 RV, park it there. You can buy yourself a little shed. You can start stockpiling storable food. So if or when shit hits the fan in your area, you got yourself somewhere to go. Better yet, you can buy a piece of property and you can build a house there. There's already a house there and you can live life in a manner that's more in line with our humanness, like a tribal way, living off the land, not all this crazy city stuff, which is almost an entirely unnatural. I think this the, the modern city, this gigantic city is an unnatural construct. Were it not for funny money and crazy access to capital through central banking, through fractional reserve banking. I doubt that these cities would explode so much. And we see these cities now busting out in large part, Chicago, New York City. These cities are going to start coming to the federal government for bailouts. It's an unnatural construct. It's not good. Couple that with BLM, Antifa protests, chaos, civil unrest, boogaloo type shooting out in the streets. And the cities are getting nasty really fast. So in order to disrupt and overcome this technocratic agenda, I would like to encourage you to get some land outside of the city if at all possible. All right, we got one more to talk about. And first, let's hit some comments. Bite me, Jimmy T says. I have a problem with sociopaths who have no empathy. Man, this guy really doesn't know me. All right, but he's still in the comments, so that's good that he's that he's sticking around watching the video. I like it, Vicky Stone says. Take small steps every day towards sovereignty. That's right. Arian Dada Slavania says, Blockchain is a CIA project and can only be run on huge centralized server farms, so those beautiful Bitcoin entrepreneurs are probably spooks. I need to do a whole video on cryptocurrency because there's not one shred of evidence that blockchain is developed by CIA. There's an NSA white paper about a sort of digital currency, but it's not the same technology as blockchain, which is decentralized and distributed in a peer-to-peer -peer manner. The servers aren't centralized. Anyone can run Bitcoin in their home, and there are large centralized server farms, but there's a whole lot of different ones as well. And at the end of the day, whatever. If you don't like Bitcoin, if you think it's a fraud, then don't engage in it. Uh, but if you want to check out Monero, that one is definitely decentralized and totally encrypted to the point where the IRS is trying to give people money. They're trying to reward people with being able to hack the encryption. All right. So let us 
finish here. One more comment. Greg Diaz says, government destroyed my business under the guise of COVID. I'm looking into a few ideas of maintaining, staying within the ranks of being an entrepreneur. Very nice presentation, John. Greg, thank you so much for following along. And I'm terribly sorry that that happened to your business. It happened to a lot of people's business. And it's completely unethical and immoral that government would lock things down. Uh, that's unfortunate. I'm glad that you correctly pointed out that it wasn't COVID that destroyed your business. It was government reaction to COVID that destroyed your business. Um, again, I invite you to go to livefreenow.show. Go back to some of the earlier podcasts. I did one on four tips and strategies for you to thrive financially within the COVID paradigm. Uh, I encourage you to check that out. All right. The last thing is to build community. So we've gone over ways to opt out to disrupt the technocratic Agenda 21 Great Reset paradigm, which is being rolled out right now as we speak. Remember, you're powerful, you're beautiful, you're free. You have the ability to shift the course of history. It doesn't have to be where you're a non-playable character playing a, a passive role in how the world comes turns what it comes in what it comes about how it turn what it turns into you can be an active participant be a leader be a change agent and i hope that you will we said it's good to stay in good health raise free and sovereign children become an entrepreneur and a counter economist minimize your digital footprint get out of the city and finally build community build community and in order to do that i invite you to participate in the freedom cell network doesn't have to be the freedom cell network it can be your affinity group if you're more left-leaning. It could be the local mutual aid group. It can be a church. It could be a church group. A lot of people find community and support in a church group. But if you're a radical activist, agorist, I invite you to squad the fuck up, like Michael Soriano says here, to squad the fuck up and to get you a crew and a network. And we have the infrastructure already built. We have the network already grown that you can take part in. It's called the Freedom Cell Network. You can find it at freedomcells.org, freedomcells.org, as in cells like in your body. This is it. And I just want to show you. So having a network and a community is going to be really important with the coming technocratic paradigm that we see growing. You're going to want to have people that you can rely on. You are going to want to have people that you can trade with. You are going to want to have people that know how to grow food. You are going to want to have people that know how to administer health protocols. You are going to want to participate in this amazing network that you can find at freedomcells.org. This is all the participants globally. There's over 4,300 people participating on a global scale, tons of them in Western Europe, a lot of them scattered out through Southeast Asia. Australia is growing by leaps and bounds because they have a giant police surveillance state that's being built. The technocratic paradigm, authoritarian regime, is well advanced in Australia, so it brings me great joy to see uh, growth in the Freedom Cell Network because this presents an opportunity. It presents hope. It presents something people can get behind that is proactive, solutions-oriented. In the midst of tyranny, chaos, in the midst of all this crazy stuff we've discussed today, I want you to know that there is hope. There is opportunity, and we want to invite you to be a part of the Freedom Cell Network. It all centers around a small group of eight people, the inner cadre group. They're your buddies. They're your gardening friends. You go to the shooting range together. You work on common goals. You got each other's back. You help one another out in a reciprocal way. You then link up with other inner cadre groups, right? 
Then when you have around eight inner cadre groups, now you have a middle cadre group. You guys work together. You guys host events. You guys trade seeds, trade ammunition, grow food. Oh, they live in this region of the city where it's difficult to grow this. We can grow this over there. They can do this over there. They have well. They can help provide us with this, that, and the other. It's all reciprocal. When the government tries to come shut people down, when the government tries to come take people away, you squad the fuck up. You get each other's back. You link up with other groups of 64, the middle cadre. You have a meta cadre spread out across the state. This is already happening. I just went to Mid-Continental Liberty Fest. Technocracy was a big topic of discussion, as were freedom cells. We linked up with Lisa Bowman of the Tulsa Freedom Cell. I met her fellow cohorts. They recently built a garden in Lisa's backyard, something that she said she couldn't have done. It would have taken a few days. They did it in one session, had some dinner, relaxed, coalesced. We met up with the Arkansas Freedom Cell group that's forming and the Southeast Missouri Freedom Cell group that's forming. And now they have a crew that they're linking up with and staying united with. This is a real thing. It's not an idea. The technocracy is upon us, and we strongly encourage you to join our community so you can feel more comfortable through strength in numbers and support and mutual aid and mutual benefit. Again, that's freedomcells.org freedomcells.org. All you got to do is sign up. Essentially like a social network, although we don't want you to just come chit-chat on here and share news and stuff. We would invite you to participate with the goal of finding other people that you can build a community with so you guys can get each other's backs. I want to avoid any mandatory vaccines, vaccinations that may be initiated with the pandemic. Any suggestions? See, it's great conversation. There's a group from Charlotte, North Carolina. It's all good things. All righty. Christian Cameron says, Christine Cameron, what's the other chat app you mentioned? Telegram and Signal was the other one. Signal is more encrypted than Telegram. However, it's a lot of glitches and problems that I've experienced when utilizing it. So I would recommend Telegram. You can do a secret chat, then it's end-to-end encryption. All righty. This one went over the hour that I usually do, but that doesn't matter. Time is just an arbitrary constraint. Uh, This has been John Bush on the Live Free Now show, bringing you news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Today, we've talked about Agenda 21, the Great Reset, and the coming technocracy. And more importantly, we focused on six different ways that you can opt out and disrupt this program and play an active role in creating a much more desirable reality for yourself, for your family, and for your fellow community. We talked about six different strategies to stay in good health, to raise free and sovereign children, to become an entrepreneur or counter-economist, and to minimize your digital footprint while getting out of the city and building a community. I hope you take this stuff to heart. Peace and freedom. I'm out. Thanks for tuning in.